0: Hey everybody, welcome to What Does the Bible Say About That? In this episode, Will and I are going to look at what the Bible has to say about itself. We're going to look at the Bible's own claims of inerrancy, and how the Bible was written, and what that looked like, the process with the writers, and how should we, as people who love the Lord, approach the Bible, what's the way to read the Bible, to study the Bible, how do you get into it, how do you do this? So. Hope you guys enjoy. Have your Bibles out. Hope you follow along with the verses. It's always helpful to have them in the front of you, so I highly encourage that. And yeah, you guys enjoy. Are Will, um, you know, I, I just found out from the Bible that God actually loves coffee. Are you—where? Know you How do you know? We know it because Hebrews— but in it, book, book of hebrews you know i hebrews just as a good
1: sport i knew where you could go with that i tried to play along oh you knew my joke i'm just not an actor i there's no way i could be an actor i'm just
0: that's okay actors really they're just liars and so well, don't be an actor well <laughs> i'm sorry i should say that sorry for all my actors out there um what are we going to talk yeah. about today before we offend any more, or I offend any more people?
1: Yeah, that's right. Don't throw me in that. Don't put me in that. Yeah, Um that's right. We're going to talk about the Bible. Amen. The Bible. So we're trying to figure out today, what does the mm. Bible say about the Bible? Right. Right. How exciting. Which is
0: an interesting subject. <laughs> yeah. The Bible talks about itself. Yeah, so... That's true.
1: That's yeah. true. It's like, yeah, I, w- I was kind of thinking about it like this. You know, people say that the Bible is God's. Some people say the Bible is God's love letter to man or his letter to man. It's like almost it's God's autobiography. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's really interesting to think that that letter, that God's letter mm-hmm. says something about the letter. Yeah. I've never read right. a letter that talked about the letter. <laughs> well, you never
0: read a letter this long. so That's true, <laughs> or written by this many people. That's right, over such a long period of time. You know, really, the Bible is just amazing. I mean, we, we don't have to get it. We can't, we're not going to get into the history of it, mm-hmm. and um, we're not going to satisfy everyone and their questions, probably, because we're just here to talk about what the Bible says about said subjects. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, the Bible is really something else it's the most influential book in the world it's the most published book in history it's called the bible which means the book um i forget if that was latin when it yeah i don't know bible probably probably. Latin. um but yeah it's written by like something like 39 people different people across what maybe two thousand years 1500 years yeah of history it's written by farmers and fishermen written by Jewish scholars and and prophets. It's it talks about creation. It talks at the end. It talks about salvation. I mean, it's like if you haven't read the Bible, what are you doing? What are you reading? That's true. Like yeah, that's my true. goodness. Uh, you know, actually, I had I had one question. I was hoping you could answer.
1: That is a little okay. bit of history. That I okay. I I do kind of know the answer, but I don't think I could get it out like you could. So, when did the Bible actually become composed of all sixty-six, book, 66 books, mm. like we know it? And then, the follow-up question to that is, whatever date that is, mm. why was it not composed before that?
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you mean, do you mean when they were written, or um, well, when it was like canonized?
1: Canonized. Yeah, called. that's the one. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, I think actually this would be a great launching point. Because once again, like I said, when we're not going to be able to get into these types of questions too much, just because that's not the nature of the podcast. But, you know, one of the striking characteristics of how the Bible came to be, meaning how the books that are now in the Bible, the 66 individual books, how they got in there and why they were chosen, quote-unquote, it actually has a lot to do with what we're going to say. Um, It was not according to what, you know, a lot of you know very anti-god modernists might tell you which you know if you've ever watched like the um gosh what was it the da vinci code is that yeah 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 the movie like a lot of people their concepts come from these just modern fictitious um you know narratives that that supposedly historical narratives that really just aren't true like they'll say you know basically what Atheists or or people who are against Christianity will say is they'll say, well, you know, the Bible is a book that was, um, you know, these powerful white men, and they'll point out their race when they're saying it, Um, even though they weren't white, because actually some of them were from Africa. um, They, you know, put together these books to gain power at the Council of Nicaea to be able to subdue the people. And it's like, you are an idiot, is what I have to say to those people. Um, I would never say that, actually, because... That would be wrong. But I just said it on this podcast, so I'm sorry, Lord. Um, but it, like, that's not at all what happened. Um, and actually by, you know, the, the early second century, we already have all of the books that you have in the New Testament um, being circulated and widely used in the churches for a particular reason. Um, there was no official council to, quote-unquote, canonize it. But it was it was already being recognized as what it is from the believers and why it why it was being recognized is because it was it was benefiting them, spiritually speaking. It was um, by it. They were enjoying God is what we can say. Actually, it was edifying them. And so the Bible is a self-authenticating book, actually. Um, And so. I think like the first verse we should get into, and we should get into verses, so I don't start going <laughs> off a rail here. Yeah, um, is is I mean, this is the one that most people would know with, regard, with regards to this subject. Is is Second Timothy three sixteen. Um, you know, if you know John three sixteen, you should remember, know Second Timothy three sixteen as well. Um, and that that verse says all Scripture is God breathed and profitable for teaching. For conviction, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, and so, yeah, a lot. Some people translate that as as all all scripture is inspired, God inspired. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the little literal Greek, it's talking about. It's like it's God's pneuma, it's God breathed. He he breathed it out, Um, and so actually, in the Bible, we get God. We get his essence. We, we, are, we discover God in it. It's a spiritual book. And that's kind of how the canon actually came about in an unofficial way, is it was something that just edified the believers. No. Wow. Yeah. See, you, you answered that much better than I would have. <laughs> well, I, it wasn't
1: in full, but... Um, <laughs> well, I, it is interesting to point out that the, the NUMA aspect, because we did a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago,
0: that's where right. we talked
1: about the pneuma of God, which mm-hmm. can also, which is directly related to man's spirit and God's spirit, right? So right. I think that's a great point. The Bible is directly related to
0: spirit and man's spirit, right? Right, and I think actually it's important to note the verse prior to Second Timothy three sixteen, which Paul is talking to Timothy and he's and he's saying you know that from a, a babe. You, were in, you have known the sacred writings which are able to make you wise unto salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Um, and so what we're seeing in these set of verses and we'll get into others and talk about this is um, the, the Bible is it's sufficient, actually, to make us wise unto salvation. Like it is what we need to, for all problems, actually it answers all problems. It doesn't answer every question that you might be able to think of, um, but it is, it is very, it is very sufficient in all that we need in terms of our um, salvation, in terms of our, um, you know, to be made complete as a man of God, which is what the verse 17 says, um, fully equipped for every good work. Um, The Bible is really all that we need. And it is inspired by God himself. It's inerrant, um, which is a term the Bible scholars use. It's like, there's no error in it. Mm-hmm. It is, it is God's very um, inspired and breathed out word. Okay. But so, yeah, I mean that.
1: Well, I have, so, I do have this sacred
0: writings here. Mm-hmm. Does this include the old Testament? That's a, a yeah, that's a great point. Um, because, you know, Timothy, um, it's, it's actually really interesting. So, right, you know, Paul's writing to Timothy, right? Uh-huh. Um, kind of giving him some advice or um, he's really helping him to know how to, how to take care of some problems that are going on in the church uh, in Second Timothy. Um, it's really interesting. So, verse 14 in the chapter, he's telling him to continue in the things which you've learned and have been assured of knowing. Um, from the ones you have learned them. So it's like he's saying, um, you know, take heed to what I've taught you and what you've been taught. Yeah. And that is the New Testament revelation regarding Christ and the church. And, but then he also mentions that from a babe, he knew the sacred writings, which clearly is in reference to the old Testament because the new Testament was not in written form yet um, at this point. Uh, right. So yeah, it's interesting. It's like he's he's saying you know that the Old Testament is God breathed, but he's also admonishing him to take heed to what he's been taught, you know orally right. in the oral tradition, um, which hadn't been put into text yet. Um, well, a lot of it had by this point actually. But it's interesting. I think there's a verse we should go to in Second Peter that talks about this. Um, so in Second Peter chapter three, uh, this is so interesting. I find this fascinating that Peter actually talks about Paul. Um, So in second Peter chapter three, verse two, he says, so that you would remember the words, words spoken before by the prophets and the commandment of the Lord and savior preached by your apostles. And so we can say very clearly there, he's talking about the old and new Testament, right? It's the, the words spoken before by the Holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and savior preached by your apostles. Um, And so he's, he's equating these two. And then later on in in verse 16, he then says, he's talking about Paul and he's saying, uh, as also in all of his letters, all of Paul's letters, speaking in them concerning these things in which some things are hard to understand. (laughs) Which, like, yeah, Paul's hard to understand. Right. That's for sure, Peter. Uh, which the unlearned and unstable twist, as also the rest of the scriptures, to their own destruction. The rest of the scriptures. And so, he, the rest of the scriptures, right? So, so yeah, Peter. Yeah, you've, well, Peter, right there is considering Paul's writing scripture. Right. Wow. Right. He, he's including it as as part of the scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And so, um. Yeah, I think this is just fascinating. Um, actually, maybe we should, since we're in Second Peter, um, there's another set of verses that I'd love to look at.
1: Uh, yeah, let's
0: look at it. I, I think it's verse 20, or chapter 1, verse 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he says, you know, he's talking about you have the prophetic word. Um, and he says, we know this, that no prophecy of scripture is of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever born by the will of man, but men spoke from God while being born, and that's B-O-R-N-E, born as it, like like sa- like wind in sails, yeah. being born by the Holy Spirit. Um, And so, yeah, w- when the scriptures were being written in the Old Testament is what's specifically in reference here, Um, but it's also the new because later on he talks about Paul's in the same way. It's not something that man came up with. It was something that was God-inspired, God-breathed, in the sense that he is He is pushing them forth, pushing these words forth from these men. Right. It's fascinating when he talks about it. Okay, you know, one of the other things that I think is
1: interesting, and I, I, this is a little bit off-topic, but you just made me think about it. But the fact that... Okay, so Peter is clear, especially in chapter one. It's like, he's clear that... The scripture, even the Old Testament, is from God. Like, he knows how sacred and important the scripture is. And right. then there's this man who wasn't even a part of the 12 that the Lord called mm. Paul, right? Right. And, and then Timothy—I mean, sorry. And then Peter's saying, and what he is writing is scripture. Like, just the fact that right. he had the discernment and the maturity. <laughs> and, like, right. he's not jealous, it's like, I, he, you know, right. he, he's not, he's not at a stage where he's like, well, I was with, God. I was actually with him. You know, who's, who's mm-hmm. this guy to come along and start revealing all the mysteries. It, right. It's like, he just sees him. <laughs> Anyways. I, I think that's, I think that says a lot about the transformation work that Peter went through.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's like, you know, according to some, he's the guy, right. He's the apostle. Right. Um, but yeah, he had been perfected by the Lord. And and this goes back to like what we were saying at the, at the beginning. It's like, it's through these writings that men were edified and that man came to know God's purpose, God's plan of salvation, i.e. his economy. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it was clear that there was light in these writings. Like, this was not something for man. And if you read some of the other stuff that um, these people, to go back to them, um, who would try to discredit the bible they'll say well there's these other gospels that there's other writings that they don't even count um but the point is none of those were actually being like circulated widely among the churches they weren't benefiting the church they had a totally different spirit in them and if you read them you'll realize that um and the only people that were using them were were these like offshoot heretics who would try to prove like this one thing that they were were holding to but it that was why actually the scriptures were quote unquote canonized is because um, in these debates about, like said, the Trinity or um, the person and work of Christ, um, people would pull out proof texts from these letters that were written in the, you know, 150s um, at, to prove their heresies. And it's like, wait, whoa, why are you doing that? You can't use that. Like we go, we use the scriptures, Right. And, So then it's like, well, what's the scriptures? And then there's like a need to define it. Um, And so that's why it was quote unquote defined. Um, But before that, it's just like, this is what the church uses because this is what edifies the saints, you know? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. And that leads me to a question.
1: Um, And it has to do with translation.
0: So -hmm. maybe, okay. And
1: I know we don't want to hit too much on the historical part of it, but like, Cause, so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, that's clear. Yeah. And right. then the New Testament was Greek and, or, yeah, Greek and, and
0: Arabic? Or was it the Old uh, So, yeah, there's some Aramaic, Aramaic Arabic, in yeah. the Old Testament. And then a tiny, tiny bit in the New, like a few sentences where, like, someone's quoted directly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so mm-hmm. with that, I think something interesting to point out. Um, is that when Jesus quoted the Old Testament, he was actually mm. quoting not the Hebrew text, right? He was right. quoting a translated version of the Hebrew text known as the Septuagint. Right. right. That's right. And the reason, one of the reasons I point that out is because today we have many English versions of the Bible mm-hmm. that people use different philosophies and ways to translate, which I, I'm, I'm not an expert on. But mm-hmm. I do know there are, especially like in the early days of American Christianity, um, the King James Version was held to a very, very high standard. Oh, you yeah. Know, almost even like it is the only inerrant English Bible. Yeah. The other Bibles, if they have, you know, some other type, you know, I don't even know which ones came around, but um,
0: like, okay, so how do we, how do we, how do we balance on <laughs> that? You know what I mean? Like, sorry. I was just reminded of this, this. I think it was a Texas governor. This this old Texas governor said something about, I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. this, but it was like um, about, you know, making, I think it was about making the English language like official or, or I forget what the context was, uh-huh. But they said something like, you know, if English was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. <laughs> Just to your point like the king james being you know it's like this is the original <laughs>
1: right right
0: yeah and okay and so it's like
1: we have all these different english translations of the bible yeah. and so what do we what do we do with that like how do we pick the right one how do we know if okay. it's accurate
0: is the king james the only right. one we should read <laughs> yeah um <laughs> You get you're getting us into controversial waters here, Will. But uh I you know, I mean I think uh just no for the King James answer. Can we just say yeah. that? <laughs> if someone if someone disagrees, then you know, all the power to you. The King James is a great translation and so stick with it. But if you condemn your brother for reading King James, then um I can't help you. Uh please don't do that. <laughs> but um yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you want to get as close to the original as possible, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, most translations out there that you know you've heard of that are that are popular, um, more than likely you're you're going to get something that's that was translated by dear believers who love the Lord and care for the Word. Um, so. I doubt there's there's too many malicious translations out there unless you go looking for them. Um, Like the popular or safe ones, you're fine. And we're not here to criticize your Bible. Um, But yeah, there there are different philosophies for translating and some of them are more to keep the text accurate and some of them are more to make it more readable um, and kind of make some judgments to help it sound better in the English and help get the same point across while still conveying something of the same text and and so you have there's the contrast between readability and faithfulness to the original um generally i veer more towards faithfulness to the original um and sacrificing some of the poetic expressions or some of the like you know it's going to require more study i guess but sure you're going to get closer to it um so yeah i I guess that's all I sh- maybe I want to say for now yeah. I, I don't want to make anyone mad about this but uh, if you if you do have more questions or you want to get into it more like just message me or Will and we can recommend Bibles and talk more about it but, yeah yeah. no I think that's a good yeah. thing to point out I, I think for the most part like if you don't know Greek or Hebrew
1: <laughs> then you're doing about yeah. as good as you can you know with, with English texts yeah things are going to get lost but you know, the fact that Jesus read, he wasn't afraid to read a Greek
0: translation of the Hebrew That's text. That's true. You know, right. so That's a good point to make. Jesus read a translation, <laughs> so we can read them. Um, I, I wanted to bring up one other verse, actually, just to yeah. hit on this point of the Bible's inerrancy before we maybe move on to a, a more like, uh, well, this is exciting, but I think a more exciting topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd imagine most people listening are Christians. They already know this. But, um, you know, in Second Samuel 23, Verse two, David talks about how, how um, the spirit of Jehovah spoke through me and his word was on my tongue. Um, so this is David describing his experience of how what he's what is happening when he's when he's prophesying or when he's he's writing. Um, it's I, just, I find that yeah. fascinating. It's like the spirit is is um, speaking through him. It's speaking through him. The Bible didn't fall out of heaven out from heaven, as many think it did. It was written by, by men of the flesh who had the Spirit of God um, working in them and through right. them. Okay, yeah. I, okay, so with that being said,
1: so what, what we've said just as a small review of what we said so far is uh-huh. one, we know from Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's right. inspired um, right. by the Spirit. It's sufficient to change men. Mm-hmm. Um and it's inerrant. Right, right. Okay, but with all that, with with those, I guess, four points inerrancy, God breathed, yeah. inspired, sufficient. You know, there's also scripture that talks about it, it, or it's Satan speaking. You know? Yeah, know, or it's right. like psalmists who are saying, Avenge my enemies which seems which seems mm. to contradict what Jesus says in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So so yeah, what do, you what do, do with we that? do with that? Please, <laughs> <laughs> I asked you first. <laughs> no, I think that's a great um, that's a great thing to point out. You know that the Bible is inerrant and it is God's it is God's word. It's the word of God. Um, but that does not mean that every verse in the Bible is conveys God's thought his person, it expresses him, it shows his will. Um, we cannot just take any verse and say, this is clearly like, um, it, what you're saying is right. It's like, the the Bible is not this, just like, hey, here's all that God wants me to do, or hey, here's all of God's examples yeah. of how to mm-hmm. live. Um, it is actually a, a very complicated book, full of the speakings of, right, fallen angels, demons of God himself, of, of men who sometimes are, you know, really one with God and what he wants to do, and sometimes really not one with God, even though you would think they are. Um, and so you've got examples of people who are um, living a life uh, where they have many wives, right? right? Um, does that then justify polygamy? No. The Good answer. <laughs> that no, is the right answer. Uh, and so the point is yeah. their lives are not, we don't take everything in the Bible as just, this is God's command for me. No, we have to balance it with the rest of the scriptures. And we have to see something bigger than just the text in order to know how to interpret the, the Bible. Right. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's, we can just list examples there. Like, you know, with Job, um, not only you have Satan speaking there, you have his three, is it three or four friends? I think it's Um, three. How many? I think it's three, right? Um, you know, some people read Job's friends thoughts and they're just like, man, that is (laughs) wild. That is good. You know, I, I have friends who said that recently to me and I'm just like, um, you know, you got to read the end of Job. Because <laughs> oh, I, I really want to get there, actually. Um, uh, the Lord actually rebukes them, right? right? Yeah. I forget exactly what he No, he, he does. Says. I mean, Job
1: has to forgive them.
0: Right, right. He, he has to, yeah, he has to offer things for them, right? right? <laughs> um, the Lord rebukes them. He says, my anger is kindled against you and against your two friends. for you have not spoken concerning me that which is right as my servant Job had. it's like the lord in verse seven says yeah that all the things you read in chapters three through 40 40 that was not my thought wow <laughs> he, he basically says yes this is in the bible but this is not my thought and so you know what do you do you you have to have a an interpretive lens when coming to the bible because it's it's a complicated mess you know right in that sense okay okay Sometimes you gotta consider something and say, Yeah, amen. This is what I should not do. Like, Lord, make me not like this person, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So What were you Well, I was say? gonna
1: say, you know, when we're reading, the Bible is composed of 66 individual books and letters. And correct, if you read Genesis, you've got multiple people having multiple wives. Mm-hmm. But God never really condemns it in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of any verses off the top of my head.
0: Well, you know, I I just think that the there's a principle laid out in Genesis 2, right? Oh, in, in the beginning. In the beginning. Yeah. And, yeah. Amen. Yeah. And, okay. And so mankind knew this and they, right, it's like uh, what it says in Romans 1 and 2. It's like they knew God's command, but because of their exceeding lusts, they cast off that what their conscience was saying is wrong. Um, but yeah, obviously you need the law to, to enlighten man concerning his sin more fully. Right. But
1: yeah. And so yeah. I guess a, a point to that being, like if you do want to know, like if you're just reading Job and you think his friends are wise, which does really sound like they're wise people.
0: Yeah. But then you, yeah.
1: like, I guess in Job, you had, you get the answer because God says the answer. right? But I guess when, when we look at, the Bible as a whole, it is important to view a lot of the Bible. Like we need a broad context of everything to get God's specific feelings on specific mm. things, because like with yeah. Abraham, God never particularly points out that he has multiple wives or that he, mm-hmm. you know, had some concubines. That's right. Yeah. But, right. you know, and so I, I guess like the point being with, with certain topics and things, cause I mean, there's, there's slavery in the Bible, but it's like, that's right. We need to have a full context to see just because God doesn't point it out in one circumstance, you do get his feeling about certain things throughout mm-hmm. the scripture.
0: That's right. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're not here to, to get into every example. Yeah. I think we we definitely should tackle some of those things in later podcasts. Um, but I think, yeah, like, so, so besides the fact that you just need to read the Bible <laughs> and you need to read it multiple times. Right. Um, like, that's just... You, you have to do that. Like, if you don't do that, like, you you are wasting your life, I would say, if I can be like, say that. Like, yeah, it's like, be frank. this Bible is God's word. Mm-hmm. And so you have to read it. That's like a no. Like, that's not an option. That's not a, I don't feel like it. Like, if you want to know God's will, if you want to serve God, if you love God, then you should read his word. Right. Um. And there's no like, getting around that. Um, but outside of that, it, that does not mean, well, if I read it five or six times, or if I read it 10 times, then I can understand it fully. Um, then I can balance everything. And it's all just a, who's smart and who can weigh things against one or the other. Um, that's also not what we're saying. Actually, it's only in the the revelation of Christ that you then are able to interpret.
1: Yeah, good point. Yeah, that's right.
0: Um, so, yeah, I, I want to mention some verses real quick. We can just fly through them. But, you know, in John 1 1, the Lord is described as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so Christ himself is the incarnate Word of God. Um, so, in verse 14, right, the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Um, and so, in the Bible, we have a, a a sort of an embodiment of God. We have a a way to access God and His heart and His will, but it's in Christ that we have the full embodiment of God, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Him bodily, um, and so He could be so bold, like when he when we come to same book of John chapter five, um, he starts kind of rebuking the Pharisees in verse thirty nine. Mm-hmm. He says you know, you guys search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these that testify concerning me. So the Bible points to me, their scriptures. Right. And verse 40, yet you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. And so the point is that he, I mean, he's saying like the Bible, the scriptures, they point to me and like, here I am the fulfillment of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Like there's verses in Matthew five about like, he's coming to fulfill, right. The law. Mm -hmm. Um, That does not just mean I'm here to, to, to live by the 10 commandments. He's actually coming as the fulfillment of the entire old Testament scriptures. Like everything in the old Testament points to him, both the explicit prophecies and all the typology. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, then in Luke, uh, sorry, just one more. Yeah. Um, Go for it is luke 24 27 i believe it says um this is the first bible study in the in the new testament it's pretty epic oh it shows there but it says uh and beginning from moses and from all the prophets he explained to them clearly in all the scriptures the things concerning himself and so after christ resurrected he then sat some of his disciples down and just started to unveil like, what is the revelation in these scriptures concerning Himself? Right, right. This is just amazing to me. It's like the Bible should bring us to Christ, and we should see Christ in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. You know, yeah, You have another example
1: of that also in uh, Acts, where you have the Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot, mm-hmm. and then um, what can oh Simon. Was this, no, who, who, who came Philip, up? Philip, right? Philip, why did I think Simon? Yeah. So Philip, right, he goes up to him and asks him what he's reading. Mm. He's reading Isaiah. And yeah. Philip explains like, hey, this is talking about Jesus. This is talking about the Christ. Right. But right. I mean, otherwise it's like without, without Christ, Isaiah makes no sense. Like the Ethiopian eunuch has no idea what he's reading. Yeah. But he was reading it, which is That's something right. to take note of. <laughs> You know, but, but yeah, it's like without Christ, we we can't really interpret the Bible for what it truly is and what it means. That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah. So there's like a, there is the need for the kind of, you could say carnal. I I don't know if that's the way I'd like, but but it's like, you need to have this kind of carnal foundation laid. Like you just have to read the Bible Mm -hmm. and you have to know the stories. You have to know all the things that have happened and you know, you don't know every nuance eventually you will like in terms of like the different sacrifices or things, but uh, we can talk about that more later, like how to get into that kind of stuff. But um, you have to just know it because once you have the truth in you, like the truth of the Bible in you, then with Christ and in light of Christ and in his revelation, um, I like in your being in the spirit's shining um, both in fellowship with other believers and reading spiritual books. And also in just your personal time with the Lord in prayer, those truths will be uh, it's like you strike them with your spirit. Like your, your, um, that spirit that we talked about earlier, it strikes the, the truth that's in the word and Christ is revealed in you. And it's like you get revelation. That's where revelation comes from. Yeah. It's not from the Bible alone. It's not from spirit alone. It's the spirit and the word being like mixed in a sense or, or that in, in a spiritual prayerful atmosphere. That's where true revelation comes. Um, right. In terms of how to read the Bible, I guess. Yeah.
1: No, and I think that's an important to point. out. I mean, even in my own experience, the having the foundation, just growing up in, in, you know, a good, a good. Uh, growing up with a good foundation of the Bible,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not really knowing that much of the truth, but at least knowing stories in the Old Testament and kind of how things happened. But mm-hmm. then eventually, when when all of that got mixed with kind of who Christ is, mm-hmm. um, you know, even Paul says in Ephesians three that that all of these mysteries were hidden from That's the right. Old Testament authors. I mean, up until Christ, like David didn't really know what was in God's heart. Yeah. Why he had done all these things. Solomon didn't know. Job didn't know. I think yeah. if Job claims that, that God had something hidden in his heart, right? That's right, yeah. But 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 Paul says, like, these things were made known through Christ. And mm-hmm. in my experience, I mean, it seems like the riches of the Bible just keep going and get deeper and deeper. And, you know, I've never claimed to have all the revelation in the world. But, no way. But the truth that I did know when it did when I when I feel like I had that first strike of revelation of like yeah. reading something in the Old Testament, reading something throughout the Bible and realizing, wow, this pertains to God's plan, which is made mm. known in Christ. Yeah. It's like, that's when the Bible starts to flourish and become real, you know, and it's like
0: not some boring dead, <laughs> you know, thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. Um, yeah, yeah, I was just thinking like, you know, cause the, the, the Bible is a, we can say it's a progressive revelation. And so like, you know, in the very beginning we have this revelation, but as we're moving on throughout the scriptures, it's like the, the revelation is expanding. It's increasing. God's plan is being more and more unveiled until we get to Paul where he then can say that it's like, these things were hidden, but now they've been made known. Um, it, his, commission even right in colossians was to complete the word of god right um and what he does it's crazy like paul is a perfect example right he had the foundation in his jewish uh pharisaic heritage right 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 um they knew the bible you know backwards or forwards like the back of their hand like so he knew the bible already but then with when christ revealed himself to paul then it's like man let me go back to this uh you know hagar and sarah story and when i'm looking at it now with this with christ in me as the light he interprets it in galatians 4 with a, a grand and mysterious spiritual sense you know right it's like you could read that story and you'll never in a million years walk away with paul's interpretation It's is not going <laughs> to happen <laughs> you know but right. but paul has the spirit of god opening his eyes to something grand concerning his economy and these women are allegorically spoken of as two covenants. That's like the verbatim verse that he says, right? It's like he, he says, this is spoken allegorically. Like, don't get scared. All you like fundamentalist Christians who might think <laughs> it's really bad to say allegory. Paul says allegory in Galatians four. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. Um, you know, we're not closed to any revelation from the spirit. What well, we want to balance everything, obviously, but it's like, but yeah, there's a need to, to interpret the Bible spiritually, you know, it's not just letter. Um, and so, yeah, in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, right, he says that we've been made ministers not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Right. And the whole context, the whole chapter, he talks about, you know, even today, the Jews, they read Moses and there's a veil on their heart it's like they're reading the Bible, but there's a veil that keeps them from seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. through these scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm just struck. Like we need to have a spirit of prayer and a, a a prayer like Paul's in Ephesians one to, to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can see like what the economy of the mystery is. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I'm considering a couple other verses, actually, um, if we can just go through them quickly though. Um, we already mentioned this one in the last podcast, but John six sixty three, the Lord says the words, which I've spoken to you, they are spirit and their life. That's just the nature of God's word. Like there is the outward letter that you have to know, but then there's the spirit and life. That's the more intrinsic content of the letter or of the word. Um, and so even going back to the second Timothy three sixteen, the Bible's God breathed. And so our response should be, we want to breathe it in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We want to inhale God's word. Let, let it soak us. And, and the way you breathe like spiritual breathing in of God's word is via prayer. It's praying God's word back to him and, and using it in conversation with him. Right. Um, that's how you get this kind of revelation. We're we're talking about that. Might sound kind of mysterious to some of y'all. Um Yeah. So, uh, yeah, go well ahead.
1: well I was just gonna what, what is the verse there for it's Ephesians six, seventeen.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um is that it is it seventeen or eighteen? I forget. I think that's right. Seven maybe it's seventeen and eighteen.
1: But yeah, but this is if you, if you should find it, let me know. This is the verse that specifically talks
0: about right taking. That's right. Yeah. The it's word seventeen and eighteen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So sorry, I can I can read it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so it says, yeah, the this is where it talks about the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. It says, receive these things, which spirit is the word of God. So receive it by means of all prayer and petition. That's what the verse says. Right. So receive. The word, yeah. I I just yeah. Anyways,
1: to me, this was super helpful when reading the Bible because Mm -hmm. there is this exercise of our mind, which is where we need to memorize Scripture. Just Mm -hmm. like just like Paul's foundation, we need to have it in our head. We need to know stories. We need to know. I mean, just like you would read any book, like you analyze it, right mentally. But then Mm -hmm. there has to be this other side of it where we're taking the word. Um, in a way of breathing and in a way of, of our spirit, which yeah. mainly happens, primarily happens through prayer. Yeah. Um, and you, right. you, you know, you can, I, I, I have found this um, through many, you know, early Christian authors and then even people, you know, those the group that we mentioned in the, in the last podcast with the Plymouth brethren mm-hmm. um, and even before them, Martin Luther um, and more, but that, that practice this, I had a practice of, Praying over the scripture and praying words back to the Lord, yeah, and in a way of reading the Bible in spirit, I guess you you would say, yeah, but, but to me, this has been just made the Bible a wonderful experience to where mm. you know I'm not that great when it comes to you know expounding scriptural things. Mm-hmm. but one of the things that I've enjoyed very, very much when it comes to the Bible. Is just praying over it Mm -hmm. um, in a very calm and simple way, not to get in a sense of not to get like a feeling or not to like, I don't know, just do some weird practice, but just just to really touch the Lord through his word. Because if the scripture is indeed breathed by God and inspired and, you know, connected to his spirit, then I need to do I need to consume his word with my spirit.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, even when you do that, when you're doing it in light, like in this light, you, even when you come across some of the more questionable aspects, you know, you literally you, you can pray in a way like you're conversing with the Lord concerning it.
1: So right.
0: When you've got a negative passage or you've got in the Psalms where they're saying, Lord, avenge me of my adversary. But we know in Matthew that the Lord says, turn the other cheek. Like, don't do that. So <laughs> Lord, like, Lord, I feel like this psalmist right now. I'm angry. Right. But Lord, I, I want to, I need, I need Christ. I need you to be able to turn the cheek. It's like, you're even using that scripture to turn, like you're, you're praying sort of against it. Right. <laughs> or like, may this not be me. This is me, but I want to be Christ. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, but actually there, there are some great examples in the Bible of people doing this, of praying the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, maybe we could just fly through yeah, real quick. I think that'd be great. Um, so, uh, very last second to last verse of the Bible, um, in revelation, the Lord tells John at the end, um, he says, he who testifies these things says, yes, I come quickly. And then John speaks after that. He says, amen, come Lord Jesus. And so he, he just took the Lord's word. I come quickly. And he said, and he prayed it back to
1: him. Right. He yes. said, amen.
0: amen, come Lord Jesus. And yeah. like, man, we need to have these kinds of prayers. Right. Like when we read a promise in the Bible, when we read, uh, you know, something of God's word that we want, amen, do this in do me, it. Lord. Right? right? Like, yeah. like it's, it can be that simple. Um, it can also be much richer than that. Um, I was also considering Second Samuel uh, where the Lord reveals to David, hey, actually, you're not going to build me a house, but I'm going to build you a house. Mm-hmm. Like the Lord kind of stops David's, um, like in his track, he says, Hey, uh, actually, here's what I'm going to do for you. And he starts to describe all that he, the Lord, the Lord describes all he's going to do for David. Um, it's so touching to me in verse right. 25 in second Samuel seven, he says, And now, O Jehovah, confirm forever the word, which you have spoken concerning your servant. And concerning his house and do as you have spoken wow and then in 27 it's for you O jehovah host god of israel have revealed to your servant saying i will build you a house therefore your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you <laughs> and he starts praying back all that the lord said um it, it's just fascinating it's like he, he this is a beautiful example of pray pray reading as he can say yeah um is you, the Lord says something and then you say, amen, Lord, do it. A- and let it enrich your prayers. This is how you learn how to pray. as you take the words God's already given you and you just use that to, to ask, to, to proclaim, to declare, to, cl- um, it enriches your spiritual life yeah. actually. Um, and one other example, sorry, uh, it, I was reading this recently, Daniel, when he, uh, I think it's in Daniel nine, he was reading the prophet Jeremiah, mm-hmm. actually it's another crazy example, of Bible people reading the Bible. <laughs> uh, but he's reading Jeremiah and he finds out from, by reading Jeremiah that the Lord's going to return them from captivity after 70 years. It says that Daniel immediately, he started fasting and prayed for the fulfillment of this. What's already been spoken. Right. It's like, this wasn't just like, Oh, that's a good promise. Amen. Lord do it. All right. He, he He fully joined himself to the word that he had just read and to the point where he dropped everything and he's like fully concerned with this thing that God's revealed um, so surely, if we want to be like Daniel, this is a practice that Daniel did yeah, right, like, took the word and joined himself to it fully yeah. i think I think that
1: this aspect of prayer reading is probably something we could do a whole episode on, but also, I think it's just maybe the most encouraging, best way to end as far as yeah. what the Bible is and what the Bible says about the Bible. If, Amen. If you don't pray, read, or take the the word in this kind of way, you're really yeah. missing out.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think that's a good place to stop. May we all be those who are breathing in the word of God. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, I'll see you, Will. Okay.
1: Well, thanks for tuning in again to another episode of What Does the Bible Say About That? Like always, if you have any feedback or you want to contact us about anything, uh, disagreements, or suggestions for future topics, you can reach out to us via Instagram. Username: The Bible Podcast. Um we will be releasing another episode soon, so stay tuned for that, and we look forward to hearing from you.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to What Does the Bible Say About That? In this podcast episode, Will and I are going to look at the issues of social reform, um, social justice, and really what a Christian's role is in society. Now this is a topic on... A lot of Christians' minds right now, so we just wanted to look at what the Bible has to say about these issues. Um, so I hope you'd have your Bibles out, you'd have a prayerful heart and spirit, and that you would uh, get some light, hopefully, from what the Bible has to say. Hope you all enjoy.